Well, hello, this is Gary, listening to Thinking Out Loud, Sunday, September 7th, 2020. I thought on this one to take a bit of a step back and kind of, um, kind of go a little closer into a couple specific topics that I think are pertinent to the time we're in, but it kind of a, they're kind of like a parallel side lane type thing but they're very relevant to the future of our society and it's really about a couple of different specific tax policies and uh, depending where I am on time I might also discuss one other topic as well that's similarly related because it's all about you know public funding and tax funding and where the money goes that are uh, society generates in tax dollars, and that's the uh, war on drugs. I'm going to focus, though, beginning of the podcast on marginal tax rate and the marginal tax proposed. It's been floating around there, as well as the estate tax. Now, these two taxes are important because uh, it's masses of amounts of money that could be generated from them that have virtually zero effect on the way of life of the people paying them. And it's a very tiny, tiny percentage of the people that would be actually paying said tax. <coughs> but most importantly, it does generate more revenue for the you know, general ledger, the, just the general fund that the public has to spend accordingly. You know, things like you know, repairing roads and bridges throughout the United States, uh, making sure the electric grid is working and using renewable energy sources, making sure all the schools are maintained and well-staffed, and that schools are funded, including, you know, schools of higher education and schools training schools. Um, and to make sure that, you know, the people that want to get the, those kind of, you know, that kind of schooling and training can definitely go do that. Uh, yeah, we want our society to have a higher percentage of intelligent, skilled workers. That That's a great thing to have. So um, are those some of the things you can get when you're raising more money by taking some of that excess off the top and kind of redistribute it to, redistributing it, uh, to the public? Um, is, is it a benefit to our society? Well, of course, yes. Uh, there's not really any negatives to the people that pay the tax, uh, even if the amounts, the specific dollar amounts that they pay are huge, massive numbers, you know, by normal people's standards, um, you know, their, their way of life is the same, doesn't really change, you know, the type of people paying, you know, an estate tax, you know, obviously it's the estate that pays it, the person paying it, and they're dead, so, so they're, they're not paying it, you know, because they're dead. That's why it's an estate tax. It's a, it's a tax on the person who's dead now. The money that's left over, that's just going to be handed over to whoever they wanted to hand it over to. Yeah, you know, it, it's not like it was earned by the people inheriting it. Yeah, it's if it's a birthright and all that, and fine and dandy. Um, I have no problem with people inheriting money. You know, that's kind of part of the American dream too. You know. But 
we just got to find kind of a, okay, where's the level at, you know? Do we need to make sure that we can sort of, people can inherit for basically kind of like nobility, where you're, you're basically born into a certain level that just allows you to just, you and your descendants to maintain that in perpetuity forever, regardless of what you actually contribute to society. That, that seems kind of silly. That, that doesn't make much sense, you know. Um, why would we want to do that? Um, you know, there, there needs to be a way where, you know, you know, people that are successful, whatever are, you know, my definition of successful, I guess that it doesn't really correlate directly to making massive amounts of money. Um, I would say there's some people I would call that aren't that successful that have massive amounts of money. And then also the vice versa, very successful people that don't even make six digits and they're, and they're successful people, you know, that contribute to society and such. So money's kind of a, but in the classical sense of successful, that usually those people are going to ha have some kind of, you know, good net worth when the, by the time they leave this world. That's generally how our society is constructed. I mean, not always. You know, there's there's great people that, you know, contribute, you know, devote their lives to their community and are, are real inspiring people and stuff. When they leave this world, they just don't, they just don't really have much, you know. So it's not really, certainly not millions and millions to kind of hand down to their heirs or anything. So, you know. Um, most people, you know, they're never going to pay any sort of a state tax, but, um, you know, a certain high percentage, say 70% tax on a state's, on the portion of a state worth over, say, whatever, 5 million or something, you know, or it could be a bigger amount, like, say, any, the 70% of the portion worth over 10 million. So the first 10 million, they would just kind of be able to just kind of hand off to the heirs. Anything above that, though, would be a much higher percentage. So the heirs, if they hadn't done anything on their own and didn't, you know, didn't have the financial means to, you know, pay for some of these th things, then, yeah, they might have to sell off some things because they weren't able to maintain their position. That's, that's, that's their problem. That's that family's problem. They're not able to afford to pay the estate tax. That's a 70% tax on the portion above 10 million. Well, okay. Then, then sort that out. You know, you're going to have to divest a little bit. But bummer. Yeah. It's a big wide world out there, though. So someone will be interested. Uh, you might have to scale it down just a smidge. You know, sell off one of the cottages in whatever, Martha's Vineyard or whatever the fuck, you know, and and there you go, you know, yes, you, you may have to slightly adapt your, your, you know, extreme level of comfort and affluence by a few tenths of a degree, uh-oh, you know, but the money raised, you know, by those few thousand people having to pay that estate tax, and again, not the, not the people and it's just the people inheriting the money, not in, quite inheriting as much, but still a massive amount. So, it, you know, 
It's it's not. There's not even like a like any sort of hardship to the people paying the tax. That's how they try to present it. You know, they try to present like seventy percent marginal taxes. If you made a hundred thousand in a year, you're going to pay seventy thousand in tax. No, if you made four hundred thousand dollars in a year, your marginal tax would be zero. Zero for the marginal tax. Yeah, but say if you had a marginal tax of seventy percent. On earnings above 10 million that means anything earned above 10 million in a year you're gonna pay a much higher rate 70% first 10 million you just pay a normal rate usually that's the highest rate I think is 38% right now so just to make it easy we'll round it up to 4 million 40% so say you make and this was the easiest example I like to use say you make well, we'll go $10.1 million, $10,100,000 in a year. In the first $10 million, you'd pay $3.8 million in tax. <coughs> that would leave you $6.2 million net cash, you know, after, after taxes and fees, roughly, you know. Uh, check with your local accountant if that is indeed what you earned, and blah, 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 blah. Probably various offsets, usually. You're probably eligible for if you're earning that kind of income. You probably have all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, weird offsets that you can use and stuff, and to offset interest earned and uh, mortgage interest paid and stuff, and or whatever. You know, there's probably some things in there. So there's all kinds of tax people that are real good at that. But anyway, just for easy uh, net income, and that's really the key. Someone earning about ten million a year would be, you know, about six in the six million range. With that extra hundred thousand that was earned above ten million, that would pay the ten or the seventy percent marginal rate. So that would be seventy thousand. So they would just on top of their six point two ish million, they would get another thirty thousand on top of that in net cash in hand money. Six point two million ish, you know. Um in a single year, you know, so, the, I mean, the thing about the marginal tax rate and the marginal tax that's being proposed, it, it, it's being proposed for a very specific reason. There is a tiny, tiny, tiny group of people, you know, relative to the population size of our country that is hoarding, basically, just massive amounts of resources, capital ownership of the economy huge ownerships that just just massive massive control uh, and a lot of it is related to just sort of money that they are just allowed to just sort of accumulate and they have you know the, the kind of monies that are like well beyond what any single human being should ever need in a lifetime so this isn't so much the pro athletes and the movie stars and stuff it's the people that, you know, pay them type thing. I mean, those are the marginal taxes really kind of almost focused on them because, you know, you have people that are earning, quote unquote, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in a year. And their income, their net worth is in the billions and it's going up every year. You know, we have some billionaires in this country that have had their net worth go up exponentially like 
recently, like while the coronavirus is going on. Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Americans got to get over our fucking love of fucking Amazon. And there's all they do is ship goods and services. I mean, there's got to be other means to, you know, why, why do we have to have this one fucking company that does all that? And, you know, huge portions of the revenue generated is going to go to pay one guy. Is just going to be this kind of weird multi-billion dollar just I mean whatever smart and all that great yeah, but I really don't like monopolies I really don't like big massive companies that just have so much control there should, there's got to be a way to start breaking up these fucking huge massive behemoths it's just way too much power but anyway but really with the marginal tax state tax and these are these to a normal person they seem extreme and the way that the marketing of the uh, anti marginal and the state tax works is they try to appeal to regular people saying hey what would you do if you had to pay a 70% tax well they ain't paying it you know the vast majority of people in MAGA they ain't they ain't making five million dollars in a year now there's some that in, in MAGA are there's some people that support Trump, you know, because he's a guy that cuts taxes for the wealthy in corporations. And it's, it's like, you know, what, why, why they support him? Because they are benefiting. If you're already wealthy, yeah, yeah you're, you're probably doing pretty good under the Trump regime. You know, you got, you got some extra capital, some extra liquidity. Some extra uh, investments you can make in your house and stuff. It's you know, you know, yay for you. You know, you're doing all right. Uh, if you have lots of shares of stock and stuff, um, you probably had some increased value in your portfolio, possibly. Um, but for everyone else, yeah, you, we didn't really get much. You know, cutting taxes for the wealthy doesn't really benefit our society. Wealthy don't need more money. You know, we, we don't need. And I suppose that's the other thing, too, is how much time public officials spend worrying about the interest of the wealthy, whereas it should be noticing where, that there's this weird outlier that's accumulating massive amounts and, and it's kind of causing like a drain on our society. Like necessary basic things that like need to be done aren't being done. And this tiny group of people has more money than they know what to do with. There's things that need to be done, that have to be paid for, that have to be done. They must be done. It's, it's not really like, well, let's get to it when we feel like it. No, no, you, you need to do it. When, bro when bridges especially start having structural damage, they need to be repaired ASAP. You, you don't do it, they collapse and people fucking die. So, you know, that's important that that gets looked into, like, right away, you know. Um, that is more important than some wealthy millionaire fuckhead getting a fourth yacht or whatever, you know. Making sure that people don't die driving over a bridge to get to work, you know.
that that people getting safely to places is much more important than millionaire assholes having more discretionary income to buy toys with. And that's what cutting taxes for the wealthy is about. It's so that wealthy people can have more playtime. You know, they can go fly. They, they can go fly in their fancy airplanes and drive their nice fancy cars and go on fancy trips. Yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah, the wealthy need more money so that they can go play and go have fun. Yeah. Yes, you, the working class person, are now going to have to work harder just to make ends meet, just to fucking survive. But the wealthy are going to go have playtime. They're going to go play. Yeah. Donald Trump's going to go sit in his big, big office, talk about the curtains and the color of the carpet, change his desk a few times, talk to people on the phone. He doesn't really do much. You know, he's just a fucking wealthy schmuck. But he got to become president of the United States, so he was able to save himself some money. Use taxpayer dollars to go golfing at a golf club that he owns. What a fine, wonderful world we live in. <sighs> Go take another. Go take another. Drag my split fare. A little worked up. Apologize. <clears throat> I suppose it's all been like how things are presented. I suppose when some people see this podcast and see marginal tax and stat, state tax, I don't want to hear about taxes. Boo. That's so boring. Yeah. I know it's not like the most exciting thing in the world, but it's like, a, it's like one of those, because it seems abstract or something and kind of weird and boring, it's like they... The people that are fighting against it use that, you know, like, well, this tax policy is so long. How do you ever get through it? And this is what the Democrats are promoting. I mean, it. The easiest way to think of it is for the the tiny group of people that have. More money than you can possibly imagine. Stupendous amounts of money. Just, just it, it, it's stupid, you know, it, it, like stupid levels of money. Meanwhile, not that far away, relatively, there's people starving to death. There's a higher percentage of people becoming homeless. There's a lot of uncertainty about whether people will be able to continue to live in their homes. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just kind of that, that tiny little group. Now, I suppose a lot of the reservations are going to be kind of related to, well, those are our successful people. Are, are they, though? A hundred percent of them? There are definitely some movers and shakers 
innovative, inspirational, inspiring leaders among the people who make the most money. And that's, you know, as it should be, I suppose, or whatever. It just seems good and democratic. However, it would be incredibly naive to think that everyone that is making the most money is there because they are doing the best or are the most innovative or are great leaders or are contributing the most to our society. That would be incredibly naive. It would be incredibly naive to think that some, just because someone is wealthy and has their name on big buildings and has had different sort of companies in different contexts that he has created jobs. No. If your company goes bankrupt, if you're working for that company, you probably just lost your job. You know, that company didn't create shit for you. Except uncertainty. When your job just suddenly goes away. People rely on their jobs. That's how they survive. Wealthy people don't rely on a job to survive. They don't need to worry about survival. What they get to worry about on a more full-time basis is playtime. Having fun. Not giving a fuck. No, not all wealthy people. But the kind of wealthy people that pay politicians money, bribe them, we call it lobbying in the United States of America because we're a very prideful nation. We call bribery of public officials lobbying. But when certain wealthy people pay politicians money, bribe them to vote no on marginal tax rates, I mean, that's, that's why those people are giving them money, you know, because they want to have more toys, you know, they want to get a bigger house, you know, and they don't want to have to work for it, work more hours, you know, they don't want to have to put in an 80-hour week or some shit like that. You know, now there's plenty of people that are some of the most successful people in our country that do that. They work their ass off, you know, build something from scratch and make it last and have an impression. These are not always big, massive corporations. In fact, a lot of times the, com the types of companies that leave the longest, most lasting impression, a good, strong impression on a you know, personal basis with people tend to be small businesses, and small businesses are not going to be companies that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So, obviously, too, with like a like a higher corporate tax rate, marginal tax rates, state taxes and things like that, as well as a wealth tax, you know, it, as scary as the commoner, like myself, I'm no elitist, I'm a commoner, I was born on a Navy base, grew up in a trailer park, Yes, I went to college. It certainly doesn't make me a fucking elitist. I believe humans should be treated with dignity. It doesn't make me an elitist. You're born into massive affluence, and then you used your affluence to be an arrogant prick to fuck people over just because you could, with no regard for the effects of it could have on other people, like Donald Trump has done throughout his life. That's an elitist. You know, a person that thinks they're too good to be among the common people, you know. And thinks that they don't matter. Thinks they can just exploit them for their own personal whatever. You know, that's an elitist.
you know, elitist, it doesn't mean you, you went to school and you learned about the world. That, that shows intrigue, you know, interest. It's not elitism. But anyway, with all those various taxes, that the mass majority of people, yes, they're the four new taxes or, or raising of taxes, 95 plus percent of the population ain't gonna be paying it. I'm sorry. Even if you want to be paying it, even if you want to be making five million dollars a year, but then keep in mind, for my marginal tax rate one, I said anything over ten million. So again, if you earn ten million and one dollar, your, your, your marginal tax would in that particular year would be seventy cents, because you only earn one dollar above ten million. So the masses of people will not be paying that. The only commoners that'll ever be paying a marginal tax would the people, the people that you know win huge at lotto, or uh, you know a casino or something. The regular people aren't going to earn, you know, ten million dollars in a year, over ten million in a year, working a regular job. If you're, and again, if you, if you're making six digits, that for the mass of people. Most areas of the country, you know, maybe not so much downtown Manhattan, but if you're making, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars a year, you're doing pretty good. You know, you could probably fairly easily pay, make your mortgage payment unless you're living in a, you know, nine hundred thousand dollar house or some shit. But if you're living in a normally priced house, have a normal priced car, you should be fairly easily living within your means and very easily able to invest a good portion of your money as well as tithing 10% pretty easily. Um, tithing 10% of your money becomes more difficult the less money you're earning because it's a, every, almost almost literally every penny counts, you know, the less money you have. You know, a gallon of milk costs a certain amount, you know, eggs cost a certain amount when you are kind of living kind of right on the edges of things, you know exactly what things cost, kind of what you need to kind of get through at least to the next paycheck. That's what paycheck to paycheck is. I don't know if uh, the news, people in the news, if they're just going to become too aloof to that, but because I know a lot of them were from you know, regular families, they don't make massive amounts unless they're on the big stations and they're making millions or whatever. Hundreds of thousands. Paycheck to paycheck means paycheck to paycheck. But like, you know, if something happens and you're not able to work, you don't have money. And without the money, you can't buy food. Maybe there's some sort of basic food assistance thing in your community, but it might not be, it might be more just meant to be like a supplement. So then what? And then what about your rent? What kind of options you have if it's going to be a while? Do you have any? Do you need to start reaching out to connections? What if they're on the same boat? You know, that's the kind of things. Those are the kind of things we can avoid with appropriate taxing of the most affluent. Uh, not the not the most successful. The most affluent. Some of the most affluent are our most successful, but not all of them. Some of our most affluent are just sort of grifters.
that because they were born with so much, they were able to sort of invest in certain things to just sort of insulate them from risk and to prevent them from ever having to work, ever, including their descendants and their descendants' descendants, you know. Um, and to be able to just bequeath, uh, you know, uh, what the fuck? But and just so each generation can inherit the previous ever-growing estate without any of the generations ever actually doing much of anything in the way of work. Uh, just sort of ever-increasing size and mass of a state and value and power without ever actually doing anything. You know, it's this sort of ownership of a paper. And meanwhile, the people, the vast groups of people doing all the work uh, just get a smaller and smaller slice of the pie. You know, because, um, you know, again, the, the earth is finite. The number of resources are finite. So, um, you, you know, when you have a small group of people hoarding massive amounts of resources, then there's just less to go around. That's just, that is what it is, you know. Um, and on a slightly more like, kind of like extreme or hippiest view, you know, flirting closer with the socialism or whatever, uh, I, I just, don't, I don't really think billionaires, individual human beings being billionaires, at least in this country, should be illegal, for lack of a better term. One billion dollars is one thousand millions. Uh, you, you know, um, like, yeah. What was it? One. Yes, because because one just one percent of a thousand million would be ten million. Yeah. So just the the amount of interest that can be earned by someone in a year, it's just there there gets to a we we got to figure out a way to get to what is the max line? It, it's like the the it's like the red line of earnings or anything over that is is beyond just kind of excess it's it's we need to come up with a different word for extreme intense levels of excess like just profound arrogance almost you know to allow oneself to become that well wealthy is is almost shameful in my mind you know a lot of respect for people that can get that are highly inspirational, affluent, charismatic, you know, respected around the world type people that never quite become true billionaires. It's like they become a billionaire and then they almost start dipping down a bit, getting more into the hundreds of millions, which is still obviously massive amounts. But to kind of stay more in that range, which is still almost difficult, it you, you'll it's like the movie. Uh, Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor and John Candy. Richard Pryor inherits uh, money from, uh, what the fuck was that? That, guy, that actor's name. The old guy, he was also in Cocoon. You didn't know your grandpa was a hunky? 
But anyway, Richard Pryor, uh, he, he, he inherits a bunch of money from this old white guy. Uh, under the one condition, he can either get one million, or if he finds a way, what is it? I can forget what the amount, but if he can spend a certain amount of money in a month and be dead broke, have zero to his name at the end of the month, then he'll get the full estate amount of like a hundred million or something like that. And it's, but it's difficult because uh, almost despite himself, because there's certain things he couldn't spend his money on, just you know, just throwing it away, he had to use it on something. You'll end up, even if you're making the most crazy long shot bets, sometimes they'll win, and then sometimes things that you're buying will have value. So now you you have increased your estate value. The same is true when people. I mean, it's a it's just a cool fun movie from the '80s. Kind of a forgotten gem. I I don't know how many times I've seen it. And it's also a bit of a baseball movie too. John Candy and Richard Pryor. I think it's the only one they did together. But it's like a great little like analogy of understanding how the affluent class works. You know, they they earn more, quote unquote, almost despite themselves. You know, they can they can make colossal fuck ups, and it it doesn't really even matter. You know, just more money just comes in because it's just already there to like to try to make it go away is almost it, it's like a challenge once you have hundreds of millions because unless you just outright just donate it, it's just you end up just creating something of value. So like even like Bill Gates created this. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and that that separate entity which they created with a massive amounts of money is often doing its thing and but even with that massive amount that they use to create it they still have this massive amount left over you know and um, as cool as some billionaires can be and virtuous as they can be in moments they're still just individual human beings and even after these entities that they may create that do good things, there's still this massive amount of money that's just sitting there, you know. Like, it's the elephant in the room. There, there's things that aren't being paid for, and these people have money. Okay, hey, let, let, can, can you use that to, if you need, I mean, because even if it's just taken and it's invested directly in things, they'll end up getting some return anyway. That's the thing, once you're at that level of wealth, it just keeps coming in. It just keeps coming. There's no stopping it. For doing squat. Like. So. Hopefully, uh, more politicians will start talking about it. Just being more forceful on it yeah we, we need to uh, appropriately uh, tax the affluent class it doesn't need to break down to a social war but of course that is something that the affluent class has the means to construct um, they are the affluent class you know they buy media and they buy off politicians so um, you know they they will Engage in all kinds of rhetoric to try to divide the working class, you know, uh, marginal tax, estate tax, wealth tax, um, various corporate taxes. 
what percentage of the common working class is going to be paying those kind of tax? Around zero percent of the, you know, of the working class is going to be paying any of those. So, um, whether you're Republican or Democrat, it it's new taxes, yeah, but not on the people working, doing the work. No, it's it's the people that own the economy that have the most money, like exponentially more. That means like a ton more, you know. Median income in the United States is around 60 grand or so, something like that. I don't know the exact number. It's not really relevant. It's well, well below 100,000. You know, the, the marginal tax is a tax on people making more than 10 million in a year. That's a big, big difference, you know. Like most people aren't going to earn 10 million, even if you add it all up over you know 20 years or something they, they wouldn't have made up that much over you know so I'm certainly not going to have a net worth of that much but again just to reiterate with the money raised uh, roads bridges probably repaired and fixed and built when needed uh, renewable energy and a safe and reliable electric grid throughout the United States and uh, schools well-funded and staffed well-constructed highest levels of books technology and uh, engagement for students to properly succeed uh, throughout the country regardless of uh, whether it's you know quote-unquote poor area or minority area whatever uh, throughout the country schools will be invested in you know at, at an optimum level to encourage the highest percentage of our society being intelligent and making intelligent choices and also having a high level of investment in all those schools in various extracurricular type things art humanities sports music you know all those sort of things are part of it they're part of a well-rounded quality education and yes when you get through the 12th grade you want to just keep going yeah so that'll that'll be part of it too what if you're poor well, no apply to the school you want to go to that's publicly funded and if you get accepted well, then what you got to do is you got to just you know start registering for classes and then you know figure out somewhere to live while you're there you might need to get some kind of job so you can pay for your you know your either your dorm or your apartment but yeah and then go to school yep and yeah no you're not gonna pay to go to school though because it's a publicly funded school so yeah you, you know and sit but maybe you're one of those people I, I don't want to go to school I just want to learn how to be an electrician oh well then go, you can go ahead and go to you know learning how to be an electrician school trade school um, and it's a publicly funded school, so you just apply to it. Then if you're accepted, then you just start going and learn how to be an electrician or a plumber or, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, you'll be accepted. You have to be accepted first, whatever. But there'll be, yeah, all kinds of publicly funded trade schools. Yeah, that so people can learn a trade if that's more the route they want to go. Learn a very specific skill that's in demand. 
within our society and important for people to have. Once they have that skill, yeah, they can work for a profit corporation or profit company if they want. Certainly, it's it's their lives. You know, they just they have the skills where they, you know, where a an in, where each individual you know intelligent skilled worker wants to use their time is really up to them. It's a it's a free society. We're we're just investing in the tools that'll give people the most value as workers. Um, yeah, it, it, it does mean that yet yeah, like the, the people with the most money may not have as much in the short term. Their lifestyles don't change really. Those they stay exactly the same. They still have all the toys and playtime that they do. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They just um they, did, they just have a slightly smaller net worth. But all those other things I just mentioned, those are more prominent throughout the United States, you know. More opportunity, you know. Because obviously, in addition to, you know, better taxing of the most affluent, uh, you know, we have better funding of hospitals and healthcare in general, you know, as well, you know, the CDC and things like that. Um, and with healthcare, meaning, you know, just just pure good old healthcare. So you know, hospitals are highly trained medical staff. You know, and they would and, and they they have a wide variety of specialties and skills and training and experience and expertise and various different medical calamities, if you will, that may afflict us as people. And so they're trained to kind of you know heal people if they get injured or sick. So. Say you get injured or sick, what you would do is you would get to the hospital. So maybe you got to call 911, you know, an emergency. You, um, you fell off a balcony or something and you broke your leg or whatever. You call 911, the paramedics come, they pick you up, take you to the hospital. You're there for a few days, they do some surgery and stuff. And then uh, you go home and rest for a little bit. Um, and then, and then you, you actually get back to work. Yeah. So I think that would be a pretty cool system. Yeah, so, so the hospitals are places where um, people trained to heal people uh, do that uh, for a living. Uh, amazing people a lot of times they don't make massive amounts of money doing what they do but it's you know vitally important so they'll just keep doing that um, and with you know obviously with better you know funding of health care meaning health care just, just so like clear that means when you get sick you go to the hospital you get healed and then you're on your way you, you don't you don't there's not gonna be an ATM that you need to run to or anything that you don't, you don't need to do that no you, you just go to the hospital and they heal you so you kind of eliminate the middleman of the insurance company kind of thing really so it does free up a lot of uh, uh, overhead that's been kind of you know just kind of raising costs substantially um, Hopefully and ideally, there would be a, a you know a cost of living bump and improvement in quality of living for the sort of boots on the floor medical staff. You know your nurses and kind of 
um, you know, of all the doctors that, but this, this, the, the, the sort of, the people you see the most running around through the hospital and the various scrubs and stuff, just kind of doing all the kinds of little busy work. A lot of times they're not, you know, they're not making tons of money. They're, they're getting by, but, you know, with better funding of, uh, you know, healthcare through better taxation of the affluent, uh, their lives would get a little better too. They would have a little bit more of a financial cushion uh, because that, that's important. And that, uh, people doing those kinds of jobs need to have like a proper kind of um, you know, way, way to chill out and decompress, you know. So they don't need to be worrying about how to pay the rent and stuff. And 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 the place they're living in needs, you know, uh, it, some kind of oasis from the kind of, you know, day-to-day -day kind of emotional drain that can probably be at times working in... Uh, hospital and illness and sick but then you know people healing and being on the way but some people not making it and you know it's it's a vital job that they do and it's stressful coronavirus has only tested uh our medical staff even more you know because um you know some of them are dying from corona and then the mental exhaustion some are you know it's just so um as important as it is to some in the affluent class to be able to have playtime and, and, and to go to, you know, buy bigger boats and, and you know, to go have a private island that they can go have big fancy parties at and stuff like that. Um, you know, as fun as it is for them to do that and as important as it is for those wealthy people, those specific types of wealthy people to, uh, you know, do that kind of thing. Um, you know, there are more pressing concerns that we need to kind of get to. And, of course, the thing is, of course, that uh, even with the marginal tax, a lot of those wealthy people live in those crazily affluent lifestyles, doing all kinds of extravagantly uh, silly playtime things. Um, their lifestyles don't really change any, having to pay the marginal tax. Yeah, they're, they're still kind of good to go. Even with the wealth tax and all that, yeah, they're, they're, they're fine. They don't like become poor or something. They don't really have to make any modifications to their lifestyle. It's just paper that just kind of will exchange hands. Some numbers will go from one screen to another. What they do and how they live their day-to-day -day life, it doesn't change at all. But the money raised, it causes a quality of life improvement for the masses. Yeah. Government is just people. So it's people. So the government will be, say, invest in roads and bridges. A for-profit company will bid for the contract, the government contract. So the gov with a government contract means it gets government oversight. So you're going to be monitored more closely because it's the government. You're going to have to dot the I's and cross the T's just that much more. There's very analytical types. You know, there's people who create laws that work in the government. But if you, a for-profit company you know, bid on that government, you know, contract to build, repair, etc., bridge, road, whatever, well, then you, you got that bid. You're going to get that money to your for-profit business. 
do you maybe need to hire some more employees or pay them overtime? Well, yeah, you're going to use that government money to do that. <coughs> Is this going to be a lot of small businesses throughout the country that will bid on these government deals? Because a lot of them will be like, you know, sort of smaller projects in various communities and such throughout the country. Well, yeah. And will some of them, you know, hire more people and stuff? Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. So, yeah, it's, you know, jobs and all that sort of thing. People have more, a little bit more money in the pocket. The, the specific structural changes improve, the, you know, the, the value there or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times it's not revenue generated through, you know, building a bridge necessarily. Maybe, or, you know, repairing a bridge. It's just something that has to be done. So it's one of the easiest ways. Government just invests basically in the project a local company and with oversight getting over government oversight you know builds the thing you know a company that has expertise in doing that there's lots of companies throughout the u.s that build things design things architects engineers that work for businesses so it's a collaboration it's not socialism you know it's 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 the government it's publicly funded it's not going to be a government, you know, we're not, we don't need to go all the way to like a government, you know, the New Deal uh, work core thing, whatever, but yeah, we, we can raise extra money and invest in things that need to be done. Be, yes, we'll be a profit company that does it, but because they're being government oversight, they'll have to be very efficient and they'll have to, and they'll be closely monitored. So, you know, it's getting done. And, uh, you know, the company gets it. They have to bid on it and all that. Yeah, I mean, and this will be for a wide variety of different things. Police departments and fire departments as well. Obviously with those two, with, uh, you know, better taxation of the affluent, we could also come up with better and more appropriate um, funding allocation methods for the police departments throughout uh, the United States of America. Obviously not, we, we don't want to defund the police. We don't want to, you don't want to cut funding to the police entirely. That's, that, uh, that's called anarchy. Uh, our country's not ready to not have police at all, but we need to be moving, f we, we need to come up with different ways to, um, you know, police, because some of the things that police are policing for aren't really, you know, like there, there, there's people that have died in this country because of, uh, you know, selling cigarettes on a sidewalk. You know, it's like the police come to intervene because that's a crime. You know, okay, yeah, it's a crime, whatever. But what is it, like a misdemeanor? <laughs> you know, I think it's like a $250 fine. But there, there was an American who was selling cigarettes on a sidewalk. And then was confronted by police, and then pretty quickly they put him into a chokehold, and then uh, you know choked him to death, killed him, and he was caught on video. It was like four or five cops just kind of came up on this guy. I'm an American citizen, and yes, what he was doing was technically illegal, but you know, like, I mean, it's not really. <laughs> 
it's not really something worthy of killing a man over, you know, selling some cigarettes on, on the sidewalk, you know, like, I, I don't know, but, like, people have bummed a cigarette for me before, or at least, the, you know, a roly tobacco, and they, you know, offered to give me a dollar for it. Does that mean I was selling cigarettes? I mean, it's kind of, kind of close. You know, it's not that far off. You know, someone asks you for a cigarette and then they offer you a dollar for it or whatever. Are you technically selling them a cigarette? So a cop can come up and just put me in a chokehold and kill me? Because, I mean, anyway, like, we got to come up with some better way to decide who gets to police us, <laughs> you know. Um, got to come up with some better way because uh, they're becoming quite militant and, um, and, and extremely vicious towards very specific types of people simply because of the way they look. And they're coming up with it. They're going in very heavy, you know, very aggressive, escalating tensions. And uh, it doesn't really help. And then and American citizens are dying. So, um, I know it may sound like a, a, a far-off connection, but yes, better taxing of the affluent can also help, uh, you know, better funding of more appropriate allocating of how police departments get funded. They are kind of correlated. So... I think I'm going to call it there. Hopefully there's some tidbits that will fall in there and people get some idea of, you know, why these various taxes are being proposed, why they're important, why they need to come to be, and uh, why people should, at, at a minimum, like, not support those politicians that are vehemently opposed to them. And that, you know, that's not productive to our society. There's, there's an excess that's being generated that we need to find a way to filter back down into our society. The people paying it, they'll be fine. That the way of life doesn't change. So don't worry. That They're not going to become poor. They're still going to be very, very affluent, even if they have to pay all four of those taxes. They're good. And even if that amount they have to pay is a really, really, really big number to us, normal people. It's still only a small percentage of what they actually have. And again, even if that number is huge, even if you hear about some wealthy asshole with a marginal tax bill of $34 million, you're like, you paid $34 million. And yeah, that's 70% of the portion above $10 million, though, so you gotta keep that in mind, you know? What is the net income? You know, so anyway, abide by this <laughs> social protocol distancing as best you can. People get a little antsy, and uh, it's getting crazy out there. So, make sure to register to vote if you haven't already. Do not vote for Donald Trump in 2020. Who you vote otherwise is up to you, but just come on. Make sure you do not vote for Donald Trump. That would be a poor choice. Um, you can do better than that. Uh, that doesn't mean you need to vote Joe Biden. If you can't do it, that's okay. That's fine. You can still be friends.
And I have to admit, though, it will be a little bit more difficult to be friends if you're proudly supporting Donald Trump. man has no values, no ethics, no morals, no integrity, uh, no regard for others, no empathy. It's just, um, the list goes on and on and on, and it's just all kind of blatantly and obvious and clear, and it's just kind of the elephant in the room. So, you know, just don't vote for that guy. Don't vote for that. Don't vote for evil and destruction and hatred and division. That's, you know, that's wrong. So don't do that. You know, it's kind of like when you tell a little baby not to touch the stove. You know, don't do that. It's gonna burn your fingers. You know, don't vote for Trump. Yeah, he's a fascist, authoritarian. Yeah, racist, sexist, stupid, fucking. Anyway, anyway, I don't want to digress too far, but just don't do that. You know, that's a poor choice. Okay, and I'm sorry if I sound condescending. It's just, it's um, it's very annoying and frustrating to kind of know that there's still so many people supporting the schmuck. You know, I, I don't know what more the guy's got to do <laughs> to prove that he, he doesn't give a fuck about them, the people supporting him. Donald Trump does not care about them at all cares about getting more money and power so just don't vote him my suggestion to those that lean right that tend to vote republican voted in trump 2016 but are you know having good uh, second thoughts about going again uh, go libertarian if you can't go democrat can't go Democrat, just go ahead and go Libertarian. Feel safe in that choice. Pretty good chance a person's not going to win, but um, we, we, we can't do an, a second term of Trump. That, that, that's very dangerous, and so let's just not do it. Let's avoid that. Please. <laughs> uh, it's not funny anymore. Not that it was ever really that funny, even 30 years ago. Trump was just a fucking clown on TV. So, um... Stay safe out there. God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud.